If you want health care from the same morons who run the Social Security Ponzi scheme and dishonor our vets with the VFW, then go ahead, commie. Oh, yeah? Well, if you think millions of poor Americans should die just because they don't measure up to your standards, go ahead, you fascist. Well, if you want universal health care in America, then unfriend me. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Unfriend Me with Scott Johnson and Justin Robert Young. Justin, healthcare. Healthcare, Justin. We got to talk about healthcare. Yeah. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to delve deep into the uh, the ins and outs of what it takes to keep a human being alive in 2017? Well, uh, we're not going to do that. Uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about the far more annoying subject of the, uh, the, the, the political football that is American healthcare and, and how... Close pushes have gotten for it uh, for universal health care uh, all the way back to close to the turn of the century until right now, including uh, a lot of really, really crazy stuff that happened along the way. And really, I realized while researching this kind of defined our modern political state uh, a lot more than I, I would have guessed. And and it's something that came the the uh, the push in the 90s very much came before. I was sort of fully online as a politically cognizant human being, mm -hmm. and I realized how little I kind of uh, was aware of it until I started to research. What's it. interesting about the 90s, uh, in retrospect, is when I was, I was in my early 20s in the 90s, and the 90s for me were babies and making a family and getting jobs and finishing college and all this stuff, right? That's what that whole time was for me. Yeah. And I remember healthcare as being a blip on the radar, a thing that would get mentioned someplace. Like uh, some news anchor, uh, you know, Dan Rather would say, uh, looks like uh, President Clinton is going to try to see, and he would talk about healthcare reform. And that's like the end of it. It never went anywhere. Republican controlled Congress and specifically Gingrich was never going to let that go through. Um, but I remember a lot of talk about that being a Clinton effort. And then I remember... A lot of talk about that being a response to the rest of the the Western world adopting more and more public health care policies and this being kind of a response to that. And then nothing like it just went away. It was all Lewinsky after that. And I don't well, remember. And, and, a thing. and there's a lot of reasons for it. And we will get into most of them, if not all of them. But first, before we look forward, we have to look back. We had episode zero of this show, and I will say, Scott, how long have you been doing podcasting? Uh, it's been since, well, since RSS 2004, since before that when MP3s were on a website, 1998. So I'm going to say a long-ass time. A very long time. From from about the time you did your first podcast on healthcare reform uh, back <laughs> in 1994. Uh, I have been doing podcasts, I guess, for close to 12 years now, yeah. and- I can't remember an episode zero. There have been podcasts that I've known that have gotten popular after a few episodes, after people have a, a chance to catch up with them. But I can't remember a episode zero getting the kind of feedback that we got for our episode last week. Do, do you have anything comparable like in, in your 30 years of podcasting? <laughs> been quite that long but uh let's say yeah the only thing close i could compare it to would be when the instance launched 
Um, but that was its second episode, and it was because iTunes featured us. And at the time, this is when iTunes was doing new things in 2006. And it gave us this huge sort of artificial push that never stopped. And that was great. But it wasn't the same. It wasn't like, oh, I heard this thing and now I'm, you know, I didn't suddenly get a billion emails. I didn't get all these people on Twitter going, uh, well, here's my thought or here's my take or here's what you guys should talk about next time. I have to say in that much time, this is pretty unprecedented. And this isn't really, I don't know that this is really tooting our own horn as it is realizing that uh, our instincts were right about what people may wanted to have talked about on the show. And it seemed to work. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a rich vein, right? People, yeah. people want to talk about it. Last week we talked about kneeling during the national anthem. These are a few of the emails that we got or selections from the emails. But let me just say this folks. Uh, I love all of your emails and you can send the uh, uh, these these novellas that you have sent, uh, I enjoy reading them personally. However, if if you just want to give me your paragraph you want read on the air, uh, it, it saves me from having to edit through it. So uh, I'm not going to read everybody's complete thoughts on this, and I apologize for that. However, we only have X amount of time on the show, so let's let's begin here. Jamie, who uh, uh, pointed out that there uh, he is both a minority and from a military family, says in my household. We've talked about this issue. My father will loudly admit uh, that this is why he doesn't watch the NFL anymore and just sticks to college football. They're all just in it for the money, and they do stupid things like disrespect the country and what it means to protect the freedoms they exercise. These are the words of my dad. In the end, I think good for you for standing up for what you believe in. Uh, okay for both sides of the issue. The flag and the ideals, people and country it represents, should be treated with respect. The rights of minorities should be fought for and upheld in a country of immigrants. And lastly, to make your message clear on all sides. Mm. So, uh, you know, the funny thing I, I thought about that with the college football thing is, believe you me, college football players would be doing all of this probably more vociferously if they were not in it for the money of wanting to one day possibly make money on a NFL roster that they will not do if they are already protesting while they are in college, unless they are an extraordinary talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, I want to say that there was a common theme here, bringing up his father. There's a lot of father says this, but I think this emails yeah. and messages, which I think is interesting uh, to always sort of ex uh, inspect that little generational divide and see what the differences are. Um, we can't do anything scientific with that information, but I think that's fascinating. And you are not the first, nor will you probably be the last to say, well, my mom or my dad or my parents or my grandparents think this, but here's where I'm at. Um, yeah. That was a very common thread through this stuff. Got another email from Ian, active duty army sergeant, first class. Uh, he's also a level 110 paladin, uh, paladin on Earthen Ring. I guess he's in our guild, which is kind of awesome. So when it, comes to, <laughs> when it comes to working in a profession, you leave your personal beliefs out of work and you do what you're trained to do in your chosen profession. Was that me or was that? I think that was I, me. I think that was you, yeah. I'm going to just go ahead and do not disturb <laughs> Uh, you leave your personal beliefs out of work and do what you are trained to do in your chosen profession when you show up. A uh, advocate for your beliefs, donate to whatever charities you support, but don't bring your personal beliefs into the professional environment. Of course, military service has its additional restrictions, even when we are not in uniform. Let's take the emotions out of the discussion. The fact is they are exercising personal advocacy in a professional organization that is a no-go for whatever profession an individual is in. This is where I believe the fallout lies. Emotional reasoning is too chaotic and no one feels the same way again or anyway rather uh he makes a good point i mean th the thing is it's 
kind of on the NFL to either allow it or not. And I've always said if the NFL had a rule or if the owners had a rule that said um, you can't do this, then the player should uh, adhere to that or be fired. I mean, that's just that's work. I get that. 100% agreement yeah, with him. I, I, th- I think we're getting a little hall monitory uh, with some of this because the NFL, despite the fact that it obviously bathe its, bathes itself in patriotism and has uh, a, a lot of kind of uh, military ties and, uh, you know, uh, both spiritually and financially, it is not the military. It is indeed a game where we play... We pay people to play the game well because we enjoy the game. It, it, I don't think it necessarily needs to be taken quite as seriously as the regimented precision that we would expect from our fighting force. Uh, and on the other end, you know, here's all I would ask is that from these players' perspective, to listen to some of them talk, the idea is they are going to live their lives where by and large, none of them will have as big of a platform as they have right now. Right. It will only decline once they leave and they will never get it back again because this is their physical and financial prime. And even though it might screw with their money, they think it is worth it to make this statement, despite the fact that for many of them, they are trying to make the money within a 10 years if you're generous uh, on on the long end, I think it's four years is the average career for an NFL player to make basically the money that, that you will need to last you until your fifties. So sure. I think that's, that is, that is their point of view is I only get this stage for so many times yeah. for so, so long. A yeah, time. I can totally see that. <clears throat> also, I, I, I want to compliment the number of people who sent me there, there, there needed to be a little reset on what we think the anthem is, I think. And a lot of people sent me uh, links to some information, actually a, an interview on a podcast episode of something I found. I can't remember who the show was, but about where the anthem came from. The anthem was not the anthem until 1931. The song wasn't written by Francis Scott Key. The poem that became the lyrics was. The song is actually based on this ancient, not ancient, but this very old British pub song. Uh, that has been used for various things at various times. Up until 31, we have the Francis Scott key words attached to the music in a more America the Beautiful kind of usage where it's just a song yeah. that we associate with patriotism. And it wasn't until the 30s that we ended up with uh, with that. And I didn't know any of that. <laughs> I figured that thing was as old as George Washington and his boat pulling up to the uh, thing going, where's the Mayflower? Like, you could, it's easy to conflate. <laughs> it's easy to conflate all these things and think they all happen at the same time, and they're all as old as as whatever. And that the entire times these mythical founding fathers watched it all happen and made sure it orchestrated properly. A lot of it is a little chaotic, and it's a good reminder to to remember, you know, poke yourself and remember that. Doesn't mean that it doesn't mean what it means today. I understand that. Doesn't make it any less yeah. respectful or respect uh, disrespectful. I'm just saying, history is a good little. Uh, a fun way to, to, to hey, fill listen, out your People knowledge. will be having these conversations in 86 years from now when they are wondering why we changed the national anthem to the international <laughs> players anthem as written and sung by UGK and Outkast. Uh, John in New York writes, I have a question uh, on NFL protests. I've seen many people upset over the protests and saying that they will boycott the NFL until players are forced to stand. I've also read that Kaepernick supporters are boycotting the NFL until Kaepernick is allowed to return to the league. Who started boycotting first? Did the others start boycotting in response? 
If ratings do drop, who gets credit for it? Well, if we're going to do the math on this, the Kaepernick supporters started boycotting uh, probably second, right? If you were to say that the first time that Kaepernick sat for the anthem mm. was the first time that somebody started boycotting his disrespect of the anthem, then it would be after that that uh, the Kaepernick boycotter started when he couldn't get a job in the league based on his actions. However, if you just started boycotting when the president said something, then you have been boycotting, uh, uh, I guess, a couple months uh, or I guess eh, a couple weeks from the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, longer, if you count preseason, when Kaepernick didn't have a job. And if the ratings go down, who gets credit for it? Cord cutting. We can move on. <laughs> yeah, I know who will tra take credit for it, but uh, the real credit probably. Everybody, yeah. everybody will take credit for it. I mean, listen, here's the problem. Uh, NFL games are boring now. I love the NFL. They're slower. They're more boring. Uh, quarterback play is abysmal, and uh, the, the league has not made credible stars or at least allowed them to be exciting and uh, uh, captivating in the way that they once were. So the league is more boring. There are more options for our entertainment dollar. Yeah. Uh, it kind of was in an inflated place anyway, as our media landscape shifted and live sports became the only thing that was kind of immune to ratings drop. And guess what? Now they're not immune anymore. And all sports are kind of dropping in ratings. All TV is dropping in ratings as everybody has more ways to do it uh, and more ways to spend their time. And, yeah. money. and there is an entire generation coming up. 13 to 18, roughly, who uh, have grown up watching Dota 2 and uh, Overwatch tournaments and esports as their kind of thing like this, and they don't care. There's some that care about both, but there are plenty who just don't care about Grandpa's freaking Green Bay football team. He cares about which League of Legends Korean player blew everybody out of the water this year. So yeah. there's a big shift coming. A lot of that has to do with it. No one will mention that, though. If the, if the ratings go down, I guarantee... There'll be all kinds of weird responses. None of them will be accurate. No, no, the ratings are going down, and they will continue to go down. Like this is this is just a uh, reality, and and everybody can point to different reasons. Here's all I'm saying: if the NFL game was the NFL game five years ago, uh, and and the stars that were there were still playing, and we still had Brady versus Manning when they were both really really good. People would care less about this stuff and they would just say, oh, my God, did you see what happened on Sunday? Yeah. The problem is more that we have less. Uh, oh, my God, did you see what happened on Sunday? Because the game kind of sucks now. Yeah. So anyway, good point. We, uh, we can we can we can go ahead and close the book on that. Uh, Justin Robert Young at Gmail dot com is where you can send your uh, emails about what we are going to talk about today, mm -hmm. which is the history of of universal health care in America. Now, if I'm taking the novice approach here, I assume yeah. it's only a couple years old, right? We've only just started talking about it since like, oh, eight to 2010, right? This is all new. It's all new, right? <laughs> so uh, as I was looking as, as to where we were going to take this, here's where we're not going to take this. Uh, and by the way, all these chattering foreigners, Oh, big men and women you all are. As soon as the American starts talking about healthcare, all I got is nothing but 50 Patrick Beijas uh, uh, just uh, floating into my life on their scarves, yep. talking about how awesome everybody else's healthcare is and how they would love to come on this show and talk about how great healthcare is other places. Now, this is not to say that healthcare is not amazing and whatever 
you know, uh, a crazy uh, a country of 400 people that you guys come from. Uh, all I'm saying <laughs> is that we're not going to be talking about it. And as much as I'm trying to make fun of this, uh, uh, in, in all seriousness, this is a gigantic orange to peel. And we can't to to spend much time on anything else other than this very thorny issue in America would be, I think, to kind of lose focus on everything just because the idea of healthcare everywhere kind of makes it about healthcare nowhere. Yeah. That's also, so, I think it's also key to point out that uh, like most issues of any import or those that affect millions of people, there's no overnight solutions. You can't just say, all right, suddenly we have universal healthcare any more than you could say, Hey, Britain uh, in the 1400s, sorry, no more, um, uh, no more Pope and uh, uh, sort of church control. Also, we're not going to let you guys have monarchies anymore. We're going to go straight democracy from here on forward over a weekend. It doesn't work that way. Even revolutions take time. So this particular issue is not as simple as we'll just do what we do in France or do what we do in Canada. Um, what you do in Canada, what you do in France is great for those who like it, but it's not that simple. So we're never going to approach any of the, these issues on this show that way. There is no way to do that. Well, and and the other thing is what people seem to be most interested in talking about when it came to healthcare was about the specific bills that were being debated over the last couple months, including the Graham Cassidy bill and uh the uh man, I forget what the first one was called and who sponsored it, but uh the one that uh, John McCain kind of torpedoed with his big famous thumbs down. Yep. So, uh what I wanted to do when looking at this research-wise was say, "All right, well, let's just look at the bills. We we saw a few. Uh, we, we all remember Obamacare. We saw the repeal Obamacare uh, bills. Let's go ahead and take a look at where this came from. And so, boy, did we go back into time. Uh, Scott, we begin in 1926. Yeah. And I realized when I when I when I made the decision to to start here that this is. You've all been suckered into the Roach Motel of this podcast <laughs> because we promise we start this thing up at the top with us yelling at each other with all these Facebook comments. But guess what? Now that you're here, we're going to make you eat your vegetables. We're going to make you understand every millionth uh, uh, fractal point of this so to, to kind of blunt some of the ridiculousness uh, that we see. Yeah. And somehow take your calls and somehow do it all within a reasonable amount of time. And I think that's a damn fine uh, uh, effort that we're making to do that. So 26, okay. 1926, that's a long ass time ago. But it pre, is. Pre-depression, uh, uh, post-Old West, like we're in, we're in it to win it in 26. So effectively what happens is prior to this, healthcare is thought of in America as a, uh, a, a an, an economic issue that we need to keep our workforce healthy so they can work harder so our economy can be more robust and it begins to turn into a human rights issue if we are to put it in that kind of modern nomenclature around this time this is 1926 to 1932 the cost of the committee on the cost of medical care was a privately funded group uh, by eight philanthropic organizations including the Rockefeller Millbank and Rosenwald Foundation so you're talking about some of the most rich families 
in America that are now discussing yeah. this issue. Here's what they come up with. The big money of the turn of the century. To give it to give you some context today, you might say this is Google, Apple, and Facebook, you might say, uh, would be the names you would hear in a modern context. These were those guys. It wasn't tech, but these were the big yeah. industrialists, the ones that really grabbed America by the butthole and, and made it work. So anyway, go ahead. So uh, 26 research volumes and 15 smaller reports over a five-year period. They recommend that more national resources go to medical care and solve voluntary, not compulsory, health insurance as the means to cover these costs. Most CM, uh, CCMC members opposed compulsory health insurance, but there was no consensus on the point within the committee. Uh, the AMA, the American Medical Association, which had been kind of a thorn in the side to a wider government-funded health insurance, uh, treated their report as a radical document yep. advocating socialized medicine and the acerbic conservative uh, editor of the Journal of the American Medical Association called it an incitement to revolution. Jeez. You know, you really do think, I think this is an important moment to point this out. We'll probably point this out on a lot of episodes of Unfriend Me, but boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? This little bit here at the end about acerbic, or, or, sorry, the incitement to revolution and or uh, a uh, radical document advocating socialized medicine. You may as well have told me that someone said this last week from the floor of the Senate. Like it, things don't change. This is what it is. This is the argument. This is the this is the debate. So this is the beginning of the idea that national resources, that public resources, should go to medical care. However, that it should be more on the lines of subsidies to uh, uh, private health insurances. Mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, for the record. Uh, you know, the AMA didn't like it, but uh, this is the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, uh, Rand Paul now was was against. The reason why he was against Graham Cassidy was the idea that uh, uh, subsidies to these companies should not be the solution mm -hmm. and, and that uh, that there there is not a, a public benefit from just get putting money in uh, the pocket of private. Yeah. Companies. Also paying off a couple of states because their senators were holdouts is also something he and others didn't like. So, yeah. Anyway. So something else that you find when you research this topic is that this, these things come in ebbs and flows for a while. This is all anybody can talk about. And then it goes away for many, many years for, for, uh, extended periods of time. The next time that it comes up is in 1935. And this is of course, FDR and the biggest cornerstone of uh, a socialized, uh, you know, government becoming a part of public life is FDR's uh, a tremendous uh, expanse in that field. However, socialized medicine was cut from the 1935 Social Security bill to ensure that the Social Security bill would pass. Yeah. So Social Security is the big, the big thing, and FDR identifies that as the thing he wants to pass. And as a give back to ensure that this goes through, he leaves out national health insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he wanted a single payer solution. You hear that talked about a lot today. Uh, he was committed to yeah. like universal, comprehensive health care. The way you guys get it in your France's and your, and your Canada's to whatever degree you get it. That's what he was aiming for. And they didn't do it because to lose on that basis alone would have killed the rest of the bill, which he felt was too important. So boom, that's it. It's out. Took it out, stripped it. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. So, so squirrel in the, in the chat room, uh, good point. Uh, just in case anybody is not aware, the reason why FDR had a mandate throughout the land to push forward 
more government involvement in our lives is because there was a little thing. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it. The Great Depression. Ah, the TGP. Uh, yes. No, TGD. There you go. There's no P. That was it. That was a big impetus. That is your catalyst, your your big throbbing wiener in the sky that said, oh, something's got to change. And so he had a lot of uh, power to do that. But if you've got one thing on there that is seen as your your holdback that will that will make you lose everything else you're aiming for, I'm sure at the time uh, this insurance thing seemed less of a problem. Also, costs were less. And getting to see a doctor was a different issue. Like healthcare in 1935 is not what it is in 2017 in terms of what they're able to do nor what it costs to have those things done. So I'm not surprised it got cut if you want my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So FDR kind of looks at this as the third rail and he doesn't want to pee on it until he's out of office. And eventually it winds up coming back with President Truman. Truman does have a plan for national health insurance in 1945, different from FDR's plan in 38 because Truman was strongly committed to single universal comprehensive health insurance. Whereas FDR's 1938 program had a separate proposal for medical care for the needy. Uh, it was Truman who proposed a single egalitarian system that included all classes of society, not just the working class. So again, it is not until 1945 that this fully separates itself as an issue from we need to make sure our worker bees are healthy so they might work more to a, hey, sick people, am I right? You know, there's 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 uh, uh, there's all these tendrils that keep it uh, uh, locked to it. And it does not fully come unclasped until 1945. Even FDR, the grand socializer, still had was still speaking in the language of we need to make sure our soot lunged uh, uh, working class is able to get back to work sooner. Yeah. And he was adamant that Truman, that is, that it was not socialized medicine. But there was so much resistance. Uh, senior Republican Senator Taft declared, quote, I consider it socialism. And he wouldn't hold hearings as a result. It is, to my mind, the most socialistic measure this Congress has ever had before. Oh, these absolutisms, <laughs> these freaking, uh, this uh, it's so consistent with American politics. I, I kind of love it and hate it as I read it. Well, and this is also before... Uh, you know, another great chilling of this kind of idea comes through, uh, and that is, of course, the Cold War. As we move out of World War II and uh, we, we begin to see the rise of the Soviet Union, now, all of a sudden, anything that has anything to do with uh, a top-down government-provided anything uh, faces increased scrutiny. Uh, meanwhile, uh, this is also kind of a very important part uh, back in 1945, the AMA. And the American Hospital Association, the American Bar Association, and most of the nation's press had no mixed feelings on Truman's plan. In the word of men on film, they hated it. <laughs> the old AMA, the, the Ask Me Anything uh, guild. Exactly. Yeah. The AMA claimed it would make doctors slaves, even though Truman emphasized that doctors would be able to choose their method of payment. Mm. Scott, mm. 1945 is when this goes away. When... <laughs> Does this get revived? All right. So you'd think, hey, everybody, 50s are pretty cool. We're good. Don't worry about it. Okay. Why not the 60s? That'd be a good time to bring it back because there's some social revolution going on. There's some stuff kind of unbuttoning here and there. There's some veteran stuff coming up because a lot of those World War II veterans are getting old. Uh, things are happening. So probably the 60s. Nope. 70s. Nope. 
80s when I was yeah. a kid. Not at all. It wasn't until the Clinton era of 1993. I mean, and let's let's also keep in mind that is uh, I'm just doing this uh, from from top of my dome here around what a year two years of the fall of the soviet union yes because that was 91 or two Ugh, i forget but the but this was very early to give some of you kids at home a, 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 a connection to what was going on then this was the year jurassic park was released so put that in your head and slosh it around it was a while ago <laughs> is what i'm saying uh uh all right. What else? What else do you remember in, in 1994? Right, what else? What else is going on? So bring us. Oh no, this is a uh, 93 when when everything goes ahead and starts. So give me all your memories of 93. Okay. Scott. Okay. Here's what I remember. We got a relatively new president. His name is Bill Clinton. Uh, we have not gotten to the point. Up to this point, he's just a cheeseburger eating jogging guy. We knew that he liked to jog with his Secret Service, and he liked to eat McDonald's cheeseburgers. That's really all we knew about this guy. Uh, pulls off. Pulls off a huge. Upset. Beats yeah. uh, uh, George H.W. Bush, who had previously, not but a few months earlier, set the record for the highest approval rating that a president had ever received uh, thanks to the Gulf War yeah. and uh, and then loses promptly in, in the next election. Yeah, hardcore. And then also you had the what's his name? Texarkana guy in there that kind of screwed it up. Rospera. Yeah. Or you know, some people think he screwed it up. There's a lot of theories about that. But the point is. Big upset, Democratic hands now. I remember the I remember the Gingrich stuff for whatever reason, and they were always opposed to anything Clinton did. So that's a strong memory for me. Um, and I remember the words healthcare change or healthcare reform being bandied about in news segments that I would hear like on nightly news and that sort of thing. This was right before I had a kid. Uh, my first kid, I was 24 or 25. Um and, 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 you know, politics was still sort of a thing other people worried about. So I didn't really think about it very much. But we were about to have a baby. I was gainfully employed. We weren't worried about it because we had health care coverage for that through the company. It wouldn't be till later that I would start to unravel things like pre-existing conditions and um, what hitting your deductible meant or if you didn't hit it. Um, you know, all those kinds of issues really weren't in my head then. So to me, this was just blap, blap, blap I was hearing on the TV. So Bill Clinton. New president, yeah. young president, brand new day, friends with Fleetwood Mac, possibly ferrying hookers to the governor's mansion in Arkansas. <laughs> He's in the Oval Office now, all right? Yeah. And I want, all right, wake up everybody who went to sleep while we were talking about uh, <laughs> President Truman in 1925, because we're going to get into some spicy stuff. This is September 22nd, 1993. He announces that his proposed bill would, quote, provide health care, a health care security card. To every citizen that would uh, irrevocably, uh, irrevocably entitle him or her to medical treatment and preventative services, including pre-existing conditions. Once in office, Bill Clinton uh, quickly sets up the task force on national health care reform headed by who, Scott Johnson? First Lady Hillary Clinton. Oh, Hillary Clinton. Sorry, Hillary Clinton. You may know her from <laughs> such uh, hits as I lost real bad last year to a buffoon. Uh, Here's that, the deal. Yeah. She is charged with coming up with a comprehensive plan to provide universal health care for all Americans, which would be uh, the cornerstone of the administration's first term agenda. They push it all to the center on this. This is uh, a remarkable for a couple of reasons. Number one, again, nobody had touched this since 1945. Yep. This had been a persona non grata idea politically until 
Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton start pushing for it. Number two, nobody had ever just waltzed into the White House and put their wife in charge of something like this before. <laughs> Normally, this is something that you go to a congressperson, you go to somebody in your cabinet. There is This is a very carefully selected job because you want them to be able to navigate these rushing river rapids. The idea that Hillary Clinton was the person that walked in there was controversial then and now and in many ways created the the way that was that, that Hillary Clinton has talked about that she's not ready to do it that that she is too pushy that she's arrogant that she thinks that she can handle something this big this fast uh this really 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 sets the template for Hillary Clinton as a person the bill itself was a complex proposal of more than a thousand pages the core element of which was an enforced mandate for employers to provide health insurance coverage to all of their employees. Which I remember being a huge, hairy sticking point where I worked. I remember when that was being talked about, and I was selling computers for some computer company. They, internally, I remember arguments happening in the office of the owner, um, and they were paying for our, they were paying our insurance. We paid into it, so it was a little bit of both, right? But they... So it's not like they weren't already doing it, but they really resented this idea that they would be forced to pay the insurance of their employees, even though they were already voluntarily doing that. that was uh, a big uh, by the way, Evan, the attorney in the chat room saying that uh, uh, Ike and Nixon and Carter both, uh, sorry, Nixon and Carter both had uh, health plans and Ike uh, provided subsidies. Uh, I am going to fully admit that the research that I do in one week's time on these massive issues are probably not complete. So <laughs> if you have uh, uh, ways that you can fill things in for me, then go ahead and email me, justinrobertyoung at gmail.com. Yeah. I'm not going to in any way cop to say that this is a complete uh, a complete history. This is just what I found on the internet while I was doing the podcast. Well, that, and also, I mean, to, to, more to your credit, though, we're talking about major reform, not little blips, because there are plenty of little blips, and you can find that just yeah. about any kind of legislation. We are talking about major focus, cornerstone of an administration type stuff. And that's what as this was. For, as for Evan, the attorney who is watching live, please feel free to call in as soon as we open up the phone lines and you can and you can let me know where I am wrong. I am not ashamed to admit it. No. We're... Let's go ahead and get into what kind of controversy this caused in the early 90s, though. It was, I mean, again, the more I looked at this, the more I realized so much of what we deal with now was born of this controversy. The Clintons being defined as who they are, AM talk radio, uh, uh, the the culture war of 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 words on this, and uh, this was something that I did not remember, but you did. Let's go ahead and play. This was an ad that caused a tremendous amount of controversy uh, uh, back in the early '90s. It was called Harry and Louise. Yeah, and it's this campaign. If I say the words they choose you lose and then a lot of you are out there are going to go oh that campaign anyway here it is it's harry and louise in one of their earliest ads this was covered under our old plan oh yeah that was a good one wasn't it things are changing and not all for the better the government may force us to pick from a few health care plans designed by government bureaucrats having choices we don't like is no choice at all they choose we lose for reforms that protect what we have, call toll-free. 
Know the facts. If we let the government choose, we lose. All right. So I remember that very, very specifically playing. On uh, TV. Okay. So, so describe for everybody who is listening to this, yeah. what is the setting of that ad? Okay. Like, what are the visuals to that ad? So here we've got a kitchen counter, a kitchen table. We have Harry and Louise sitting at that table. This is a, a married couple, probably in their late 30s, early 40s. And uh-huh. the table is littered, piled with uh, paperwork and letters and unopened stuff and open things and wrinkly looking tax documents and all sorts of paperwork everywhere. It looks like a real mess. And uh, they're both just very frustrated. He's sort of balding with hair flying off in one direction. And she just looks like she probably should get a shower because she hasn't had one since Saturday. And the kids, one of the kids is probably sick. Like you used a lot to infer here, but you definitely feel it from these two people that man is life hard enough. And now we have to deal with this man. This is no choice at all. So they've really now, gone for that visual there. Here's, here's the other thing, by the way, that, that blew me away is we think of even now and most of my adult life as political ads as being kind of cheap, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that they're, they, they use ways to get around it now worth like, you know, HD stock footage and stuff like that. But in general, it's usually just stock footage plus narrator equals political ad, yeah, right? Yeah, and then the guy approving it on the other end, right? This looks like Roseanne. Like, this is <laughs> looks like a sitcom. Like, it, it's actually like, like, don't let the lower audio quality, if you're only listening to this, fool you. It looks kind of like you would see on television. It's got actors that are doing acting things. Like, it, it, it's reasonably high quality. So this winds up taking off. Like, it, it makes quite a uh, quite a stir mm-hmm. it uh, uh again this is a, a what, is this pre-fox this is pre uh, it's either pre-fox or right around the time of fox being new i don't remember fox's first air date let's see fox yeah. uh channel but three three to three and a half uh of uh, television stations and this is playing uh on a fairly high rotation yeah uh it's sometime in the early 90s i can't find the date but the point is that yes this is a this is this thing's getting pushed all over the place, and I think it's effective because here's one thing you don't do to Americans, and and we can maybe there's a whole episode in the future about this part of our culture. But if you tell yeah. people they won't have a choice somehow, they get pissed. What the last thing I want to hear is that you're limiting their ability to choose something, and they make that and conflate that into a full assault on their freedom. And yeah. it's ridiculous that we go that far, but that is an effective way to get people off their ass, even though this is clearly acted, that it is clearly, uh, you know, uh, meant to to rile people up and get them upset. It doesn't matter how much your rational mind kicks in. You're being told you no longer get to choose. And like, you know, the 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 link bait of today, it incensed a lot of people in it. And it kind of well, and, and I think it effectively hits uh, even anybody who is for universal health care would uh, admit that a possible failing is that the administrators of the plan are incompetent, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. are on the graft or, or things go wrong. Any kind of government funded system can be corrupted. And this is something that hits at that idea that this thing that is provided for us could ultimately not be what was sold to us. Yep. It could be something worse. Yep. Right. Yep. That's how you, that's how you hit at it. Now, I want you to play. This is the Democratic response. What They made several, but this is the, the, the Democratic, one of the Democratic responses. And before, Scott, can you actually take a look at the visuals of this? Yeah. I just need you to describe, before you even play any of this, 
I need you to describe the visual of of what this ad is. All right. So chat room, I'm going to skip ahead here. Hold on a second. All right. So this is a dude. Uh, I'll throw it to the chat. Actually, I can see this this part of it. Uh, this dude in like a like a uh, <laughs> casual lounging jacket and shirt, <laughs> uh, just kind of hanging out. He's at a few. He's at a not a, few, a cemetery, by the way. That's that's an important note to make here. Here he is hanging out by a cemetery. Uh, he's in a, in a in, like I said, a tan suit, no tie. Looks like slick back hair. <laughs> just a little, right. Just a bastard California liberal dude. Okay, that's who you're getting it, here. Yeah. Like kind of like if he were the bad guy in a movie, you'd be like, oh, no, he, he, he's Rob Lowe from Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine Rob Lowe from <laughs> Wayne's World. All right. You nailed it. That's exactly who this is. And here's what he says in this follow up. And this one's a good minute long. So check it out. You've probably seen a yuppie couple named Harry Louise on TV recently questioning the president's health care plan. Well, I thought I'd bring you up to date. Harry lost his job and also his insurance. Louise owned a small, struggling company that couldn't afford group insurance, so she'd always depended on Harry's policy. Unfortunately, she had a pre-existing condition that prevented her from obtaining new coverage. Now, it's true, Louise should have gone into the hospital earlier, but she didn't want to eat into their savings. Eventually, she and Harry gave up their country club memberships and sold their expensive foreign car, but by then, it was too late. Very nice service. Harry doesn't get out here much. He got a job making commercials in another state. His new company doesn't have an insurance plan, and after paying off Louise's hospital bills, he can't afford one. Sad story. The insurance companies say we can fix things using the same system that's always been there. That's what they told Teddy Roosevelt when he proposed a national plan almost 100 years ago. I guess they're still working on it. Oh, hey, by the way, if you see Harry, tell him to hang in there. The president's plan is just around the corner. <laughs> Sorry about your wife, Harry. <laughs> so their answer to an effective political ad that has captured the national conversation is to say, hi, I'm a rich douche. They were rich, too, by the way, and one of them's dead. It is the most tone-deaf response I maybe have ever witnessed in a 90s-era campaign ad. It's really I, bad. It's really bad. I was blown away when I watched it. It was just one of those things that you you look back in the cold light of history, and you're like, huh, that didn't work. Mm. Well, you know, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for him. Yeah, it's real weird. Uh, I don't I don't understand exactly why they went that with that kind of messaging. It. it to go after a fictional couple, first of all, seems really, really, really tone deaf to me because I understand who that couple represents, but you don't, they went all in on Harry and Louise, like yeah. in a way that's just not, doesn't work for me. Also, what didn't work for me is just this kind of highfalutin like, well, she didn't go in on time. Nice service though. Anyway, yeah. Harry, oh, holy shit, dude. No, he, by the way, he, in, in the ad, he's leaning on the gravestone. He's just like <laughs> casual Sears catalog leaning on the gravestone of this woman. Yeah. Uh, to let everybody know, well, she should have supported the plan. Uh, there are other ads, to be fair, uh, uh, that are more effective than this douche in the cemetery. However, I, I picked that one because... Ultimately, this plan was unsuccessful. Democratic Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan of New York, by the way, whose Senate seat Hillary Clinton would eventually take, uh, said that there is no health care crisis by stating that there is an insurance crisis, but also indicated anyone who thinks that the Clinton health care plan can work in the real world as presently written isn't living in it. Yeah. Uh, in August 1994, Democratic Senator uh, George J. Mitchell announced that the health care reform would have to wait until the next 
Congress. The uh, defeat weakened Clinton politically, emboldened Republicans, and contributed to the notion that she was a big government liberal as decried by conservative opponents. Again, everything that we just dealt with in 2016, this is the big bang. Everything starts here from uh, yeah. from, from the Republican insurgency just to uh, 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 AM radio. Uh, it all begins with the, the, the Clintons stepping out onto the stage and biffing healthcare. It's been good to see it through these lenses because it's easy to look at today's political climate and go, what, how the hell did we get here? And I think you found like a specific hacked away machete path that, that got us here in a lot of ways, like got us here, at least mentally got us here culturally. Uh, the fuses were being lit in 93 and a lot of those fuses finally came. I mean, through many other things happening like Hillary Clinton running for a, you know, a second time to be president at a time where, uh, all of these things were sort of at a crescendo. Donald Trump throw his his whole thing in there, and you've got the makings of the perfect bomb. And it really did it really did start back then. And I I lived then, and I I was around then. I was an adult then, young adult, but an adult, and I didn't see it coming. I had no idea. You know, I didn't know this is where we'd be. So anyway, largely things stay where they're at until what two thousand eight. Uh, President Obama comes in and says. One of the things I want to do in, during the campaign trail was I want to fix health care. And that turned out to be the closest anyone ever got, I guess. Uh, well, and it succeeded where none of these other plans did. Uh, uh, Obamacare comes in, uh, buoyed on the enthusiasm of the fact that Obama is this kind of transcendent uh, political force. Uh, it is, uh, as, as Ace Tig in the chat wants me to know, uh, 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 and I am, I'm not... I'm trying to obfuscate, but uh, it is uh, based on some uh, level from some of the uh, uh, state plans, uh, one of which was put forth by Mitt Romney in Massachusetts. Yep. Uh, the act largely retains the existing structure of Medicare, Medicaid, and the employer market, but individual markets were radically overhauled around a three-legged scheme. Insurers in this uh, markets are made to accept all applicants and charge the same rates regardless of pre-existing conditions or sex. To combat resultant adverse selection, the act mandates that individuals buy insurance and insurers cover a list of essential health benefits. To help uh, households between 100 and 400 percent of the federal poverty line afford those compulsory policies, the law provides insurance premium subsidies. Other individual uh, market changes include health marketplaces and risk adjustment programs yep that brings us current well yeah uh probably the only thing past that is obviously uh, we have now seen several attempts to repeal and replace obamacare none of which really do away with a lot of the infrastructure in fact even the most radical the graham cassidy bill didn't want to take away any of the money that was allocated to obamacare they just wanted to make those block grants meaning uh m bags of money that don't have conditions on them. And meanwhile, Bernie Sanders has introduced a Medicare for all. I'm pretty sure it's Medicare. If it's not Medicaid, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that would be a universal single payer health care idea. Yes. Now, all of that being said, those, that's it by the numbers. That's it by the cultural remembrances. That's it by the uh, the the way we see it and the way we've we've researched it. What we need now is your thoughts. What do you guys think? Do you want universal health care and if you do do you have an idea how you're going to get it if you don't want it what are your reasons or altogether other feelings about this issue 
And if you want to come in from the perspective of somebody who lives in another country, that's fine too. Tell us yeah. why you think we're wrong. But this is this is the state we're in. I can tell you from very from very personal experience that Obamacare was a huge bonus for me. And hear me out, those who are like, I knew it, he's a freaking pinko. Just hold on a second. Here's why it was better for me. My daughter, at a very young age, developed, and I forgot the name of the condition. It was a kidney condition. Uh, my daughter, Taylor. Yeah. And that kidney condition uh, was something that had to have regular maintenance and, and eventually a surgery. Uh, and then after that, things were fine. She was supposed to never have to deal with it again. But I changed jobs. And in that process, lost my insurance that was with the one job. And at the new job, got new insurance. It was good insurance. But this is all before the dropping of the pre-existing condition clause. And that sucked. It was horrible because the same daughter started to experience seizures, which again were manageable, were part of a whole different issue, nothing connected to her kidney thing, that were going to just sort of be there during her puberty years and then kind of go away. And they did. It went exactly like clockwork like we thought it would. But no insurance company would cover it. No matter how insured I was, no doctor would do it. It was going to cost us thousands of dollars just to do the most basic things. It was horrendous. And so we ended up making the choice to just manage this stuff at home and not involve too many doctors, not do the checkups, not get the medication they were trying to make or take, which was extremely expensive, and just try to manage it ourselves. In other words, we decided to take doctoring into our own hands. Like literally, that's what we did. Now, the other kids recovered because they didn't have pre-existing conditions, so it was not a problem. Yeah. They did what they had to do. Obamacare comes along. I don't love every aspect of it. I don't like a lot of the stuff they were forced to remove from it. I was already a fan of what Romney was trying to do uh, with his uh, when he was governor. So this seemed like a nice extension of that. It wasn't really about politics to me. The number one thing was I wouldn't have to worry about pre-existing conditions anymore. That was no longer a thing. And my kids could be freaking insured, which is all I really wanted out of this deal. Um, and it gave me that. And it was the biggest relief of my parenting life to know that I wasn't going to go into some doctor with an emergency and have them turn us away and or, you know, put us in debt for the rest of our lives because one of my kids had a kidney thing when she was four. So that was huge for us. And so people always want to know why, why wasn't I upset about Obamacare? Why didn't my rates seem like they were going up like everybody else's or whatever? I was singularly singularly focused on this one thing that felt like it was an injustice otherwise to have that as part of health insurance. We are paying insurance and paying, we're all paying into it to cover people's needs. And the fact that you may have a need now means you can't get insurance makes no sense to me. So just to give some background about where I come from on this point of view, and I'm sure there are many others with way worse things with their kids or themselves that they could tell us stories about than I'm telling you now. But that was my number one motivating factor in seeing that transpire. And if anything changes with it now, if it's repealed and re replaced, I want to hold people like Ron Donald, Ronald, Donald Trump, to, uh, his feet to the fire on his promise that he made many times during the campaign. Not that I believe anything the man says, but he's promised that pre-existing conditions protections would stay. And he promised that Medicare wouldn't be taken from old people and kids. The, so far, two of those proposals out of however many they've tried to rush through have not lived up to those promises, and I'm glad that they've been defeated. That's the number one thing for me. I admit I come from a biased position, but anyone can find themselves in this position, and it is a horrible thing to put on somebody to say, oh, sorry, you broke your leg once or whatever it may be. We can't give you insurance anymore. 
So therefore, either pay out of pocket or don't get help because it sucks. So there's that. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you look at polling, that is certainly something that has become more and more popular, specifically. Uh, Obamacare was very unpopular until people started to try to take it away. Right. Uh, and then yeah. Obamacare became much more popular. Yeah. And uh, we have we have seen the political fallout from that. Yeah, obviously. Or I think the thing would have passed. This repeal or replace thing is a very partisan issue, and it would have passed easy no problem if constituencies were all on board 100% in every state that mattered. Uh, that is to say all 50. <laughs> So anyway, it's been interesting to watch that. You can call us and tell us your thoughts at 801-285-9395. That's 801-285-9395. And uh, it's up on the screen as well if you're watching the live stream. We'll take your calls. Yeah. Whatever questions or thoughts you have, we're, we're glad to And I'll to tell you what, we got, we got some feisty folks in the chat room, so y'all better be dialing because uh, uh, don't be, be sitting there in the bushes sniping at me. Yeah. Give me, give me a call. We, we, we can chop it up right here. And by the way, Go ahead and call Scott uh, if you even if you listen to the podcast because I like Twitter account, so he's got uh, some time on his hands. Yeah, my Twitter account has been hacked, and there's no news on that yet, but we'll see how it goes. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? This is Ace Tig. Am I calling the right number? You sure are. You are. Thanks for calling what's in. What's up, Ace? Yeah, what's up, man? I just wanted to call in. and Justin, I was actually talking about the 1993 Healthcare Equality and Access Reform Today Act which became the precursor to Obamacare. Mm -hmm. uh, in subtitle F, it requires each citizen or lawful permanent resident to be covered under a qualified health care plan or equivalent health care program by January 1st, 2005. Mm -hmm. Even though there are religious reasons, we know to use spiritual means through prayer alone. So I wasn't talking about Romney care. I was talking well, about what came before. Oh, Romney interesting. Uh, you know what? I didn't even thought about this. What What does mandatory health care do to the folks who are like, no, nah, we're just going to pray pray this cancer away? Like, what what is it? I guess it just they don't get it, and so they're in, now they're breaking the law. Like, I don't understand how that works. Does anyone know that? Yeah, I don't. It, it, it doesn't. I have the law open right here, and it doesn't really go into that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, sorry, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> no, no, you shouldn't be nervous. You're you're totally fine. You're doing great. Um. Uh. Well, all right. So so clarification on what you were saying in the chat room, but uh, do you have any uh, specific thoughts on whether or not our country should move forward with new, better, more legislation about healthcare, or should we leave yeah. it to the private market? Um, I actually support uh, Sanders Medicaid for all. I live with two disabled parents and a two-year-old nephew who had a pre-existing condition. He couldn't talk because he was what they called tongue-tied. Mm. And because of that, he under Republican plans, wouldn't be covered. Yeah. I mean, I myself am unemployed. I'm a full-time writer, and I'm unemployed. So without Obamacare, I don't have health insurance myself. Sure, sure. But I don't care about me. Right. Yeah, okay, so what it. you've it's not a big deal to me. What you've done is revealed a thing that I think is pretty common. Um, uh, thanks for your call, by the way. So, Justin, I wanted to make this comment. It seems like... Yeah. And, and th thank you, thank you so much for for uh, uh, calling in with that. Oh, absolutely! It seems like yeah. what the side you fall on has a lot to do with your. I mean, this sounds so obvious; it's almost hard for me to say it. But it's your personal experience. In other words, he's got a niece and a nephew with trouble. I've had a daughter went through this stuff. Other people have had whatever, whatever. It seems like if you're going through that or have gone through that, you are way more likely to to be a strong proponent of some kind of let's fix healthcare. How yeah, and and uh, and you know, I, I think that there that that is a, a very, very, very uh, intelligent point that we have identified a 
problem. Mm -hmm. Where I think we get into more problems <laughs> is when we start to say, okay, so we can all ID, ID this problem. Now you have to understand that my solution is the only reasonable one. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I think you are totally right that you know for for folks that have had pre-existing conditions and have had to deal with what I don't think anybody would say is an ideal or unbroken insurance uh, uh, situation here in America, a health insurance situation in America, that uh, that it does not need to be overhauled so it serves us better. The question is exactly how we get there, yeah. but we can ask uh, this person right here. Who's calling? Hello. Hi. Justin. <laughs> and Scott. Hi. How are Who's this? This is Evan, the attorney. Oh, hello, Evan, Evan the, the attorney. attorney. Sweet dude, actual right. qualified person on the phone. I love I'm getting, this. I'm getting on. I'm getting on my my my, my flame retardant gear, and uh, <laughs> so you go ahead and you get your flamethrower out. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Well, just a quick history recap. Pretty much every president between FDR and Carter had some plan that they wanted to cover most Americans. Eisenhower suggested subsidies. Uh, Johnson uh, wanted uh, more of a universal coverage. And in fact, he got the biggest expansion of healthcare in American history with Medicare and Medicaid. Mm. Oh, that's a good um, point. Yeah, we kind of left him out of this. But we did. We yeah, did. That's that a, my bad. Yeah, that's a big one. I, I forgot about it too, but I knew it. Uh, Nixon had a plan. Carter had a plan, but they both did, you know, were kind of half-hearted about it. And then, of course, Reagan came in and kind of... Uh, paid attention to other matters. Now, let me just say out front, I'm a big believer in universal health care. And I'm in Georgia. Jury, uh, you're in California. Yep. Scott, you're in Utah. Yep. Yep. Three, three states where I think we can all agree are very different politically, mm -hmm. but they have something in common along with every other state in the union. And that is every state in the union has in its constitution that it's going to provide universal education for kids yeah why is it so hard to imagine that the states or the federal government can't say if we can provide universal education to everyone regardless of means we can also provide health care mm. i mean i'm with you on this i think i can hear some republican friends of mine um or who are more conservative than me because i don't know what i am but I can hear them saying now, well, this shouldn't be there either. That should be a thing that goes too. That's well, why. No. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the argument, the argument there would be, yeah. And, and look at the state of some of our public education. Yeah. That's what they'd and say. Everyone says that about, everyone says that about somebody else's school. Most people say my school is great. It's like your congressman. Everybody else's congressman is crap. My well, congressman I mean, is a good guy. That's, that's, uh, you're, you're, you are not, you're not wrong. Right. Yeah. But, there's a reason why charter schools have become more of a thing. There, there is a reason why we look at some of the schools in the inner city and we understand that they are, uh, you know, failing gigantic generations of, of kids. So I, I, I do think that there is an argument to be said that we, we, we shouldn't necessarily be looking at our public education system and saying, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, I would also say this in Evan's, well, Evan's, uh, Evan, this is on, this is on your side of things. I think what I'm about to say. So again, experience, changes things in my mind we had our kids for about four years i think maybe five four i guess attend a charter school a brand new charter char charter school um because 
we kind of bought into this whole idea. Oh, well, that sounds better than the public schools. It must be better because public schools run by idiots. Oh, yeah, we got to do this. We got to do this. Teachers will be better. All this stuff will be better. And I'm here to tell you, after four years at a charter school, freaking hated it. It sucked. They were worse yeah. at everything. At everything. I mean, teachers to straight down to whatever. It was uh, kind of, uh, what's the word? Um, I can't think of the right word. It, it felt like uh, nobody knew what they were doing. It was awful. And I, and I don't understand why everybody's sure that that's the big new solution. I'm not saying it's true of every school, obviously. There's going to be differences. This could have been a total outlier. But the point is, uh, you know, it's easy, for, it's easy to say, ah, public schools don't know what they're doing. Let's start all these private ones. But they're just people, too. And they suck, too. They all suck. <laughs> yeah. And, and on average, you know, it's easy to point at individual cases where schools are failing or fail. But on average, the school system in the United States does a great job, which is why we send more people to college who complete college than any other country except Canada, yeah. which also happens to have universal health care. <laughs> so, it's been spoken. Uh, I mean, and, and by the way, for the, for the record, uh, proud public school graduate of Florida. Uh, uh, I love it. Uh, I, I had a great time there. Uh, it made me uh, much of the man that I am today and provides for me a punchline whenever I screw something up, like uh, forgetting Medicaid and Medicare in my healthcare podcast episode. I can just blame it on my public school education in Florida, which usually gets a laugh. Uh, there, There is, though, I, I think, you know, uh, th this is where we, we kind of come to this, this two paths in a road thing, mm. where we can all identify the problem, and yet we get so hung up on our solution we forego any other conversation because mm -hmm. it becomes about now, even now on the phone, we're having a conversation about whether on the whole public school <laughs> education is, is, is good. And I think we can all agree. It, it certainly works to, to a, a certain extent. You can point to other metrics that say, maybe we're not as prepared as other, uh, uh, you know, that our students are not as prepared as, as other countries. And there's probably another side to even the idea that maybe, People shouldn't be going to college uh, as much when you look at how much student debt we have in this country uh, with the lack of jobs and, and uh, funds to pay for it afterward. But we have identified the problem. And that, I think, is at least worthy of us patting each other on the back. Yeah, why not? Thanks for your yeah, call, Evan. We pre oh, whoops, I cut him off. He was about to say something. Somebody in the chat, uh, a Sidian, said, uh, well, I'll do it in this order. Uh, Jedi71 says, charter is code for no, mi no minorities. Not to stick on charter schools for a minute, but Sidian says it's built on racism and draining money from the local public schools. They remain unfunded with shit teachers, terrible facilities, and no oversight. Not a popular uh, option in our chat room today, these uh, these here charter schools. Uh, well, uh, charter schools, like you said, they are uh, they are the products of the people that run them, uh, uh, not unlike the, the public schools. Yeah. And uh, there are, are good versions and there are bad versions. You can say that the bad versions of a charter school are worse yeah. because there is no, you know, safety net to, to drag them along. Uh, but you know, there are certainly, there are, uh, well, what was that, that documentary that, that won the Oscar about charter school? Oh, right. Um, Man. Yeah. What was that? I meant to see that. I haven't seen it. It's probably interesting. I believe it was waiting for Superman. All right. I'll check it out. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Catherine. Well, hello, Catherine. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? So it comes back to personal experience, right? Mm -hmm. With when Obamacare rolled out, in order to meet the qualifications that it has to have, our insurance to our job totally changed. Where I used to have $25 copay to go to the doctor, 
now I have this high deductible. I got to pay close to 10 grand out of pocket before they cover anything. So it's cheaper for me to miss work than to go to a doctor. Right. Yeah. See, it's, it's always this balance and it's, it's, it's swung too far the other way. I mean, I don't think anybody looks at the current state of Obamacare and goes, Oh, it's perfect. They're nailing it. I don't know anyone who's saying that if they are, I don't think they're being truthful. Um, I think that's going to be true of any plan. Uh, obviously it's a matter of degrees, but it's definitely swung way far that other direction, especially for some people. And like you said, it's, it's an experience thing where some are seeing it worse than they did before. And some are seeing it better. In my case, what I'm paying now, and I do an individual, you know, plan for small business thing that I do for frog pants. Um, I don't have it through any big organization or anything. I pay a pretty good premium for, for insurance. Um, but it's cheaper than it used to be for me when I had kids with all their pre-existing conditions. And if I didn't have them, I'll bet I would be feeling differently about Obamacare right now. And see, that's part of the problem. That thing solved this, solved a lot of problems for a lot of people, me being one of them. And it didn't solve it for all of those who don't have that going on in their lives. They're now experiencing the higher rates for no good reason other than they're just needing to get insurance. So I, I totally, I feel you on this. Like that is where, that's where the divide is really. It's about who's experienced what. Some people are, are yelping and yapping based purely on partisan politics and where they stand on the spectrum. But a lot of us are just basing it based on what we're experiencing and how much money we're spending and how much benefit we're getting. And, you know, this doesn't even account for things like, and Justin and I haven't really talked about this, but it doesn't even account for things like if the government pays for all your insurance, then what, what should our expectations be? Should they be that every doctor's perfect and one's not going to goof up and drop some gauze in your guts after he took out your, you know, a, a section of your colon and then you find out later you got a horrible infection? Should that, should you know, is, is your impression going to be, well, now the government's controlling all of med- uh, medication or, or medical services, that's going to happen more. Like it just opens up all these questions about, you know, who's in charge and, you know, doctors make too much money or they don't make enough or blah, 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 blah. Like it's just this big thing. And I don't think we ever get to a place where we're not having that conversation any more than there are pe- there are people in France, be they outliers or not, or in Canada or any of these countries where they always claim to have great health care. There are people who do not agree, who live there, who don't like it and would like it to be gone and say they wait in lines for too long and sat in an ER waiting room for six hours before being talked to. Like you can find those stories. Um, so I guess my, I guess what I'm saying is I agree with you that that personal experience in this case is everything. And it is so personal. It is the life and death and health of the people you care about. Right. Yeah. So that's why this sucks. By the way, uh, uh, and, and, and thank you to uh, Evan, the attorney for calling in. But as much as there uh, has been attempts on this, nobody really wants to, uh, you know, put, put their put their wang in these holes because uh, uh, <laughs> there is a problem when it goes wrong. You are branded forever, yeah. right? Like these are you no longer you can screw with, you know, farm subsidies and, and do all this other dumb culture war stuff, because at the end of the day, who really gives a rat's ass if you've you know, uh, made it illegal for the flag to be sideways or something like that. When you start to deal with the fact that my son can't get coverage mm-hmm. or on the other end with, with, Obama, with Obamacare now, I, what my family of three plan used to be is now four times as high uh, because uh, we, we need to pay into more because there's not enough healthy people in these markets. And so the unhealthy people are 
tilting them. Like this is a, a, a this is a a kitchen table issue, not unlike Harry and Louise in 1994. <laughs> There's a reason why that ad was effective because this is where you worry about these things. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're about out of time, um, but I think we've I think we've done a pretty good job of sort of scraping into why this is such a freaking dividing issue. Um, I want to make this point before we end today, um, and we'll and obviously the next week when we get some emails and stuff, we'll come back and and get some additional feedback on the healthcare thing before we move on to our our main topic. But a lot of you probably run, um, you know, figurative pins and needles, thinking, oh, their next show will probably be about Puerto Rico and a poor response to it and then you all changed your mind after the horrible thing that happened in vegas and said oh they'll clearly this will be about gun control this episode and you you may have been an elephant in the room this entire episode like why aren't they talking about that and i just want to make it clear from a sort of show production standpoint i think what our general thing going forward will be this when we pick topics often with your help by the way you guys voted for this healthcare to be number one uh when we put that vote out uh once we lock in we'll- and, and, and by the way i locked this down four days ago and mm-hmm. and and, and uh, i still did a crappy job on on research so you know <laughs> but even you like you're like are you getting a lot of you know people saying hey why aren't we talking about gun control and it's true but we will also we think there's maybe some benefit in letting a little time go let let the hot tempered moment pass just a little so that we can have some good conversation about this thing and it very well may be that next week will end up being that topic if it probably will be if I'm to place my bets, but um, just so you know, we're not going to necessarily react to everything that happens every day because stuff happens every day and there's no getting around it. Sometimes multiple well, times know, a day. I think, I think, uh, to be, to be honest, a lot of this is you guys uh, uh, helping us shape the show. You know, the first episode that we did, we did react, you know, it was like, all right, uh, president talked about the, the, the kneelers and we're going to do a whole thing on the kneeling. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, Healthcare is a bigger issue. Gun control is probably an even bigger issue than that uh, uh, in terms of vitriol. So, like, there's uh, uh, definitely going to be a time or a place. Uh, uh, Scott, when do we want to decide? Uh, I have I have the list. By the way, you can hit either Scott or I up. Well, well when Scott gets his Twitter account back, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm at Scott Johnson, but right now it goes to some guy in Saudi Arabia because I got hacked. But yes, and we when wanna, that's up. We want to pick off because I just have a doc. Mm-hmm. I've got a list and you can send us topics. And sure. I will tell you if you just made the list uh, uh, when it comes to the stuff here. Uh, uh, so do, do you want to help? Uh, you want to pick uh, a three that we can throw up on the poll uh, right at the end of this? I think that's a great idea. I think we should All do right, that now. All right, how about this? All right. Uh, I'm going to take off the two. We're going to rest the two that lost last week. Okay. So Antifa and campus speakers slash protests, we're going to rest. Yeah. We'll let them take a knee. Right. They're going to take a knee. <laughs> we got safe spaces. Yeah. We got unions. Mm. We have paying college athletes. We have, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and save the war on Christmas uh, for a little bit closer to the season. Yeah. That, that that might not even be a vote one. We just might just oh, do it. We a have walk. to do that. There's no, yes. I, I'm already, I'm demanding it. I, I put my foot down. We're doing a war on Christmas episode. And, and then we have Native American sports team names. Yeah. Uh, so here we go. So I guess that would be safe spaces, unions, paying college athletes, and Native American sports team names. Which three do you want to throw on the poll? I would put on the poll, well, you got to put gun control in there. 
Like we have to at least let it get voted on. Because if, if, right. if people don't have that as an option, they're yeah, they're just not going to go for it. So of the two, pick two, pick two that you don't want to talk about because uh, because the gun control is going to win. Not yeah, night. Uh, uh, team names that are uh, uh, based on Native American stuff, Redskins. That whole I want to have that. All right, so uh, Native American sports team names. Yep. Gun control, and you got one more between. Uh, Unions, safe spaces, and paying college athletes. Um, safe spaces, or maybe that's too close oh. to the gun control thing. Maybe we do. No, safe spaces. All right, is... it's got it's more than if, that. If, if right. anything, safe spaces is too close to college uh, protests. And stuff. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay, safe spaces. That's my other pick. There's our poll. All right, there we go. Gun control, safe spaces, and uh, uh, Native American sports team and names. what we'll probably do can... since i know a lot of you don't use the twitter client for your voting because because then it doesn't look like anything to you you just hear justin ask a question and there's no like options on that tweet uh maybe we'll do it on like a strawpole.com or something we'll we'll get you a link that'll let you vote no matter where you're at or what you're doing wait and, not uh, everybody can see the twitter poll yeah it's stupid like if you're on tweet deck or um third party stuff like uh what's the one everyone tweet bot on ios you can't see the poll it just they don't have the api working for that i guess or something wait really yeah oh well, yeah so if you I use tweetbot right now you'll see it'll just say a question and then people may reply to you but they don't well i guess i guess it, it depends on how much you care about what you're going to hear yeah you on, may on we, yeah a lot of it may not be results maybe it's we just get replies and we don't care what the no, no no we'll, we'll we'll go ahead and do it on straw poll we'll share it all over the place but you can find it uh today at justin r young on Yep. Twitter. You might find it at Scott Johnson if I can get my account back. So we'll let you know. Uh, don't forget, as always, your feedback is loved and appreciated here. You can email either one of us. Email Justin R. Young on Twitter at, sorry, Justin R. Young at gmail.com or you can uh, get me at scott at frogpants.com uh, or send it to us both or one at a time. We don't care. We're going to collect this stuff and have it every week. So wherever you get it to us, that would be great. Uh, and always, what else? There's something else I wanted to say. I don't remember what. Oh, we don't have a Twitter account for the show yet. There's a few things kind of in the works in that regards. But you can get to a yeah. page where all the links to Google Play, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, that can be found at frogpants.com slash unfriend me. That's frogpants.com slash unfriend me. Justin, would you like to say anything else before we go? Yeah, we didn't expect you guys to like this show so fast. So yeah. give us a couple weeks to get this stuff in gear. Yeah, we're trying to, yeah. It's been overwhelming. I'm not kidding. Like, people freaking out, and we like it. So thank you for all the great feedback, and we'll bring you more next week. So keep an eye on the prize. Thanks, everybody, for me, for Justin. This has been Unfriend Me. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.